Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. And the Twins are baseball's world champions. Number 500 for Harm Killebrew. Francisco Lariano has pitched a no-hitter. Gone! A walk-off for Chanel! And the Twins win it! Behind every memorable moment and career highlight on the diamond... Play! He's field home! The throw to the plate by Thomas! Not in time! Twins head to New York! are the true gems, the inside stories and tales. And you'll find those candid, casual conversations here on the Twins Clubhouse Podcast. Now, here's Chris Atterbury. Is indeed the uh, Twins Clubhouse uh, Podcast. The uh, Twins Clubhouse, uh, whether you're listening to us across our fine network or whether you're podcasting us wherever you find your Twins podcast and content, we're pleased to have you on board. The Twins Clubhouse today, sponsored by Quick Trip. Sign up for Quick Rewards, all your rewards in one easy place. And it is a great reward for me today to get to welcome to the Twins Clubhouse, one of my all-time favorites, Mr. Brian Dunsing, joining us from his home in Omaha, Nebraska. And Deuce, it is great to hear your voice. And first and foremost, in these crazy times, uh, your your ever-growing family and your lovely wife, all all well and good? Yeah, we're all good. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, i got four kids. Oldest is eight. And uh, youngest is two, but uh, yeah, we're all we're hanging in there. Um, you know, crazy times right now. Uh, what's going on? But uh, yeah, everyone's healthy, so that's about all you can ask for. Now, I assume you got school from home, but with a school teacher in the house, that's you're not. Are you the principal? Or are you the PE teacher? Like, what's your role? Uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be the PE teacher and or principal. Um, I don't know if I don't know if I'm doing a very good job. You know, but uh, yeah, we're lucky to have. You know, Lisa in the house. She was a uh, she had two uh, two degrees. She was a certified athletic trainer and a secondary education teacher major. So uh, we had we have it. We have it kind of knocked out. It's kind of all covered. She was always the brains of the outfit. Always has been, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit, uh, just kind of some generalities and and catch up with you and and go down memory lane. And then we're going to go through some specific moments of your career with the Minnesota Twins and kind of get your your thoughts and memories. And as we were putting the show together, I thought to one of the numerous live shows you and I did together, whether it was a caravan, I can't remember, or one of those weekly shows we did where we were talking about your Olympic experience and someone had asked you about your favorite Olympic memory and the thing that stuck in my head was that you, at the time, the most clear memory of the Olympic Games for you was of a of a Big Mac that you ate in the Olympic Village. Do you remember that story? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. It was it was uh, 
I was just like, I was kind of flabbergasted by it, to be honest, because in the Olympic Village, it was like a, they had like a giant warehouse. It was like the, like kind of like the mess hall. Um, and when we first got there, like the whole center to right of the warehouse was like all different types of food from all over the world, like people making it right for you. And then on the left-hand corner was a McDonald's. And so when you first got there, there's, there was no one over at McDonald's. Uh, everyone was over eating healthy. But then as like, you know, some athletes start getting eliminated or sports are getting over, you'd walk in there and now there's like lying out the door by McDonald's and then nothing else, you know, over on the right-hand side. But I remember I walked up there and I got a Big Mac, I got, uh, a frosted, whatever, and, I'm, and I walked back to our, um, I guess, our dorm. And, you know, so I'm like, like I'm swinging the bag, you know, with food. And I got got back to the room, and I opened up the food, and I flipped open the Big Mac box. And it was the most pristine Big Mac <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, it put the, you know, those commercials to shame. It was like, I mean, that's that's how it actually looked. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I was just like in awe. I almost didn't want to eat it just because it looked so good. But, um, of course, I did. But it was just which is very interesting to me how, how well they put it together. Not bad for a kid from Marysville, Kansas, where, by the way, <laughs> by the way, did you know that you are listed as one of the notable people from Marysville, Kansas on their Wikipedia page? Uh, I think so. Is there another one, uh, Kendra Wecker? Uh, yes, Kendra, Kendra yep. is a basketball player. Yep. So and, she, her and I grew up together. Her mom, my mom were friends. and mom used to babysit her um, when we lived down there. Still keep in touch with her. Yeah, she's like the fourth pick overall in WNBA and Heck of an athlete, so yeah. So yeah. you're the second best down, athlete. Yeah, second best yeah. athlete listed on there. There's some po- politicians, and then there's a, a a guy named Moondog, who I guess was a, a musician and a composer oh. and a poet, wore a big like Helga Horns helmet in New York City for many years. So you're in good company in in that respect. Also in good company, and I've solved a bit of a mystery that that goes back a while with your your Millard South alums there in Omaha, where you played. Yep. I did not realize that Adam Devine went to the same high school that you did. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. here's where we link it all together. Do you remember the bet we made where you were going on and on about what a great movie Pitch Perfect was, and I told you I didn't believe you. You told me to watch it, and if I hated it, you'd give me $100. But I had to be yeah, honest. There's no way you hated it. And I didn't. No I liked it. And, okay, and, yeah, and it okay. proved. But I didn't realize that you were basically Adam Devine's hype man there for his movie. Is that, was that the link? Uh, you know, kind of. Uh, there's an interview with Adam Devine. I think it was, uh, gosh, I want to say Larry King or something like that. He was on there. And he actually admits that my wife was his first kiss in high school. So oh, boy. Really? There's the, there's, the, there's the weird link. But, uh, no, he's a, he's a funny dude. Uh, you're younger than me. Yep. Graduated from the South. So it was uh, pretty, pretty interesting, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I would say very interesting, and Lisa definitely traded up in that in that equation. She did well. Oh, yeah, thank you. She did, yeah, she did well. It. Now, he's not the only guy who can sing, though, because I don't know if you remember this. Uh, Jack Morris and I were doing a like an after show on Sundays for a while early in your career, and we're going to play a clip. I don't know if you remember this in-studio performance. I started playing guitar in 2006. I was in AA in New Britain, and Brian Busher actually kind of got me into it, so I went to Target about like a... $99 special and started trying to just piece it together. Something like that.
Something like that, indeed. How about that? Yeah. Fancy fingers. Yeah, a little match, match, Matchbox 20. Yeah, you still play? Oh, no, I don't. Actually, I mean, I, I want to, but just the way things have been going, like, you know, the last couple of years, I really haven't had the time. Um, interest change, a little more golf-focused uh, than guitar and stuff like that. So um, I think I got into, into the guitar also just because of the – you know, I guess like the fellow teammates' interest. You know, that's kind of where you can hang out. And uh, we had a big crew year, of guitar guys. You guys would lug those things yeah. on the road. A big crew of guitar guys. Yeah, we had like a walking band. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't know how good we were, but you know. <laughs> Who was the best player of the group? I remember Joe Nathan had a guitar. Bush had a guitar. You had a guitar. Yeah, Bush was really good. Blackburn could could slay pretty good. And I tried getting him to go. Actually, that that little soundbite you did. Yeah. I tried getting him to come. He wouldn't do it. And he yeah he refused. I don't know why, but I mean, yeah, he could he could jam out pretty good. So, did you play? I'm, I'm honestly trying to get back into it, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I I remember. I know you you write right handed, correct? Do you sign autographs yeah, right handed? Do you play the guitar mm-hmm. right handed or left handed? Right handed. So let me ask you this: because you pitch left handed, obviously, and you get those calluses on your fretting fingers. I've got a few on here now as I try to pick my way through some really bad guitar. Did that ever bug you on your pitching hand, having the little guitar calluses? Uh, no, what I did start to notice though is I would have a lot more elbow soreness though. I don't, I don't know from like, you know, like the way I'm flexing the hands or moving up and down the fretboard. Yeah. I, for some reason I noticed that my, my elbow would get a little more sore. Um, I'm so used to having the calluses, you know, on the yeah. fingertips that I just, if anything, it helped, you know, like just, I wasn't really worried about the, the calluses. So Brian Dunsing is our guest. Again, the Twins Clubhouse is brought to you by Quick Trip. You can sign up for uh, quick rewards, all your rewards in one easy place. Also want to remind Twins fans, hey, the squad's going to be back. We appreciate all the support during these unprecedented times. Keep checking TwinsBaseball.com for the latest news on your favorite players and your hometown team. And former favorite players, former team guys like Brian, when it's time to play ball again, will be ready. Until then, let's stay home and stay safe. Well, Deuce, why don't we jump into... um, to some of the great memories that we have of you as a player with the Twins. And uh, we first met over the phone. I woke you up on a bus ride to do a, a, an interview, and you were kind enough to not only answer but actually do the interview. Then you come to the big leagues in April of 2009, uh, and you made your major league debut uh, in relief of R.A. Dickey, uh, and this happened. Here is the 2-2 delivery. Swing and a miss. Strikeout for Brian Dunsing is first in the big leagues. And you and I were discussing it uh, before we started taping. You uh, you had to look it up, but you were right. You remembered Brian Anderson was your victim. Yep, Brian. Yep, Brian Anderson. Um, I remember Adrian Pazinski. Adrian Pazinski is the one I really remember. Um, he was the, the first guy you faced, right? Out. Yeah, yeah. But I I remember because he grounded out to Morneau, uh, and he was just yelling every name of the book at me the whole way. <laughs> AJ was. And I got so caught off guard. I'm like staring at my head. What is that all about? And Morneau is just laughing because he knows, you know, he knows like what's going on. And I'm like, I had no idea what I got myself into. I didn't know what I I did, you know. And then I remember that. I remember the homer I gave to Carlos Quinton. Um, And unfortunately, for some reason, I had to look up who I, you know, who the first strikeout was. But um, if I remember, if I remember right, the way I remember it, I think Jose Morales was catching. And... I think he threw the ball back out towards the mound. So I didn't even get my strikeout ball. So Okay, let me look. I got I got the set. Yeah. Morales well and Jose Morales had his own crazy story with the White Sox. He had the three doubles and he blew his 
he blew his, yeah. his knee out. Yeah, that was his game. He was he was two for three with a couple of doubles, knocked in a couple of runs, batted in, and then got hurt. But yeah, Morales yep. was uh, was your catcher in that one. Uh, you replaced Dickey, and then Philip Umber replaced you. You also actually recorded your first career pickoff before your first career strikeout. Uh, you picked off yeah, uh, yeah. Dwayne Wise. Yeah, pick off at second, I believe. I, I believe it was a, a inside move, actually. Well, the one that it never gets anybody. <laughs> it never no, works. It. <laughs> yeah. You also got your first look from 60 feet, 6 inches at uh, future Hall of Famer Jim Tomei. That's a big man. I have never been so terrified in my life. <laughs> um, I, remember, I, I remember him stepping up to the plate, and I'm just thinking, like, again, like, what have I got myself into? Um, I don't remember what... I don't remember what he did. I feel like I got I got in on him or something. I I don't know. And I just because like you know everything happened so fast. And I remember he saw when he made contact. I'm pretty sure my eyes rolled to the back of my head for a quick second. Like I thought I you know I don't know. I was just I was terrified. So um, you got him to fly he, out to deep out to center. Great. Yeah, deep center. Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. Never mind. Don't remember it at all. I thought <laughs> I got in on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably did, and he was still strong enough to hit it to deep center. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. That's well, the case. well, that so that was your maiden voyage, and I remember your famous quote afterwards. You said you couldn't feel your legs running in from the the bullpen uh, in Chicago. Um, what I also remember about Chicago through the years in that bullpen was that's where you perfected the fake punch out routine on home runs into the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, myself and Jared Burton. Those that was a that was a good day because uh, <laughs> we've been we've been talking about it for a while, and we tried it. There's also a clip I can't remember who hit the homer. Um. Oh man, he went oppo. At first time we ever did it was in Boston, um, and we there's an angle of a replay of a homer which gets it perfect because it looks like I actually fall down. I you lose me behind that little wall back there <laughs> in right field. Um, but yeah, so we, then we perfected it in Chicago. It was perfect. It was uh, perfect timing. And uh, the, but the insane thing was with the whole thing is like we actually were getting like messages and comments of like asking why he would actually punch me like why would you are you guys like fighting and I'm, I'm like oh man either people really don't understand what's going on or i'm that good of an actor well you're I that good i think we're going to go with that yeah. good because obviously you have to pick your bullpens where the camera angle is going to get you and then for folks who haven't seen the clips and i encourage you to look them up on the internet when the the camera tracks the ball flying into the bullpen jared and, and brian would come out and then he would take a, a punch and Brian would go, but you were always the punchy. You were never the puncher, were you? Yeah, no, uh, no, I wasn't. I was scared. I was like, too excited. I didn't want to accidentally make contact, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'd rather just wear it like that, you know, cause I, I don't mind if someone accidentally punches me. Yeah. So it, it works out. It works out. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Another one. And we heard, we heard this clip earlier. I never get tired of hearing this clip. And uh, I think you'll remember where you were for this one. 1-1 one, one pitch, ground ball right side, got to sneak through, here comes Gomez, around third, the throw to the plate by Thomas, not in time, Twins head to New York, they win the American League Central, Casilla being mobbed in second base, oh my! I think we used about 10 guys out the pin, we had, we'd had Dunsey go back down there just in case, so we're trying to throw them all out there. And, Campbell came up with some big pitches there at the end, and I can't say enough about these guys. They haven't quit all year. They just keep coming at them. That the voice, of course, of your old pitching coach, Rick Anderson. Uh, lacking only yeah. in that something, in that something. And oh, my gosh. It gives me chills. Isn't I'm it amazing? I, I yeah, still get that goosebumps. Was a good day. That was a yeah. really, really good day. Now, you, you were 
you were the guy who, who, as you said, was going down to the bullpen because at some point, didn't they come and say, hey, you got Tuesday? Yeah, I threw on Saturday um, against uh, the Royals. I came in, I don't know, if like an inning or something like that. And uh, I come off and Anderson, um, Andy comes up to me and he says, hey, we just want to get you some work. You're going to start on uh, Wednesday. He said, you're going to start on Wednesday. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I, I sit down on the bench and, and – Kevin slowly scoots over next to me and goes, hey, what, are you, what were you just talking about? I said, oh, it's just something about me starting Wednesday. And he kind of pulls a double take. He goes, you're starting game one? And, <laughs> I mean, I had, I had zero idea what was going on. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting game one. Like, what is happening? Um, so then we get to the, you know, 163. And so I'm sitting in the dugout like every other starter was, you know, you have your pullover on, your pants, and just tennis shoes, you know. like, And Andy walks down and says, hey, why don't you uh, – you lace them up, get your jersey on, head down there. And so I make the quarter mile trek up those stairs from the dugout. <laughs> Didn't get lost. Get completely, yeah, get, yeah, get completely winded. Finally find, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Finally find the clubhouse. But um, yeah, and I head down there. And I remember I was sitting down with uh, Liriano. I think Liriano was actually warming up at the time um, before we won. And it just, just I was actually down praying, like, please don't, please don't put me in there. I, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, let's just win it now. You know, please. <laughs> Bobby Keppel's only big league guy. win, and what a win it was! That's his, only, that's his only win. Only big league win. How about that? There's that's so many. A, that's a great one. So many snapshots of that game too that I, I can't stop playing over and over in my head. And I don't know, Deuce, if you're a big memorabilia guy, but one of the few pictures that I own or have copies of or have asked copies of are there's a series of shots of of the dugout and you know with Cuddy jumping and there's one Matty G's in the air and and Redmond yeah. running and those are. That series of pictures for me will always be probably as near and dear as anything that I can remember in my 14 years now. I I know exactly those pictures that you're talking about, and oh man, that was just such a yeah. It gives me chills now, but that, that was such a great day. Um, so loud in that Metrodome on that day. Um, it was just goodness. Yeah. And we had to hop around on an airplane, and we I think we landed in New York that night like at four or five in the morning. Like that was just—it was a long day, but it was, that was a good one. That I remember that like it was, like it was yesterday. Yeah, as Brendan Harris said, he says you you wake up, you open your eyes, and suddenly you're like, whoa, that's Cece, and he's pitching to me. And uh, you got the <laughs> you you had you had the start in that uh, that one. That was that was a, a remarkable one. Fast yeah. forward, let's go to 2010. It's the the dawning yeah. of Target Field. I think uh, we had high hopes. That was a, a dynamite ball club. You didn't have to pitch to Jim Tomey anymore. You got to. Uh, watch him club home runs for you. And, and I picked this particular game out for, for a reason. I want to go ahead and, and hit the, the clip first. And Dunsing works now to Mark Conce. And the pitch. Here's a ground ball back to Dunsing, and he plays it. Sharply hit, but Dunsing makes a nice play. Flips over to Kadire at first for the out, and that'll retire the Sox in the seventh inning. I wasn't really expecting to go four innings. I, I thought maybe it'd just be, you know, one or two and, and try and keep the game where it was at. Um, I thought Blackie did a pretty good job, you know, getting to where he did and kind of had some misfortune there in the sixth, but um, I thought it was going to be a couple innings. But the ninth really surprised me. I, um, the eighth, not so much. I kind of I felt like maybe they would they would send me out back out there, but, yeah, the ninth surprised me a lot. That's the voice of our guest, Brian Dunsing. That's a younger Brian Dunsing. That was July of, uh, of 2010. And the reason I pulled that is because this is a game from a bygone era, Brian, even though it hasn't been that long. Well, I guess it's been a decade. Uh, Blackburn goes five, leaves down six three. You come in and throw the final four 
to win the game 7-6 over Chicago again. And I'd forgotten Kotze was a White Sox. Uh, and that pulled the Twins into a tie for second, just a game and a half back, would go on to win the division. You were so good at that role, that long relief role that has gone the way of the dinosaur, where a guy could come in and either hold the tide or, better yet, actually give an offense like that 2010 Twins offense a chance to storm back and win a game, which is exactly what they did. Uh, 7-6 was the final. But but that, and in, in the way pitchers are used and the game works now, that doesn't really happen anymore. No, it's uh, that is that 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 whole uh, long reliever role uh, is kind of it's kind of gone. You'll find a couple teams that might have have a guy on there that can go long, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, they try. I mean, it, I, I understand both both sides of it. Obviously, um, you know when you have a guy that's throwing ninety five, ninety seven, ninety eight, you know, like you a hitter has no chance to you know, time him up if you only get to see him for one at bat. And then, like, you know, the next guy who comes in, like, they don't know him either. So he keeps the hitters, obviously, on their toes. So I understand that part of it. But, yeah, I mean, the long the long relief guy, I think, you know, I think I was able to do it fairly well just because of being a starter my whole, my whole career uh, allowed me to, you know, kind of fill that role and kind of get into a groove. And, um, you know, with, that, with, that, with those teams in 09 and 2010 – especially like with, like you said, offensively, but not even that like defensively uh, for, for a pitcher like me who I didn't really, you know, I wasn't going to blow past guys, but I could, I could get a guy to hit a ground ball or a weak fly ball. And with the defense we had, I mean, I literally tried to ha- let the guys put it in play because I knew, you know, the play would be made and, you know, you save your arm and you just kind of keep rolling. You kind of get into a groove and next thing you know, you've gone two or three innings and you haven't thrown that many pitches and all of a sudden the other team's kind of fighting for it. So, um, yeah, that was that 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 whole long relief thing's kind of gone out of gone out of style. Well, and you were a guy who who every year the conversation is he in the bullpen, is he in the rotation, and that in fact proved to be your last relief outing in 2010. You slide into the rotation, and just three or four outings later, it was uh, in August, less than a month later, uh, you you did this. And Dunsing two two pitch on the way, ground ball to Kadir, going to backhand it. He'll flip it to Dunsing, steps on the bag. And completes the complete game shutout over the Oakland Athletics. He's got a nice mixture, and uh, I think he's able to use that probably more effectively out of the rotation than he is in the bullpen. When you come out of the bullpen, you normally get one or two hitters, and he's able to find the grip on you know and find the fill as we go along in the game better with all of his pitches now. So that that's probably you know uh, why he's doing so well now. He's starting to get a good fill for all of his pitches, and um, no matter where we tried to put him, now he's done well. That, of course, Ron Gardenhire and Deuce, he didn't drop a throw in the living fire out of the ball uh, on you. <laughs> but your first career complete game shutout, that's a, certainly a day to remember. Yeah, uh, man. I, I, I remember that because um, I feel like uh, Coco Crisp led off the game with a hit, and then they didn't, they didn't get a hit for a while. I don't know how many that gave up that, that day. But, uh, yeah, I remember that. And, then, and it was funny because then when Suzuki came over um, – and he, you know, he was catching us. We had a conversation about that game, and he, he was telling me he's like, we were so upset in that dugout because we could not understand how we couldn't get the ball in the air. <laughs> like it didn't seem like your ball was sinking, but we just kept pounding it into the ground. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, pal. So, um, but yeah, I remember, I remember that one. Um, that was uh, that was another good day. It gave me chills too. Those these clips are like, you know, really 
bring me back to the to the good old days. Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it? That was a two nothing yeah. win, uh, and you gave up three hits, and it was Coco, Chris, Rajay Davis got one, and uh, Steve Tollison, former Twin farmhand. You oh, probably yeah. played with him at some point along the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah in, my, in the minor leagues, I think I played with him in short season in Elizabethton. Um, for a little bit too. Uh, he was a he's a great dude. Great yeah. guy to be around. He had one, and uh, and and you look at some of the names in those box scores too, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, guys like Jack Cuss, the first true uh, three true outcome guy, the pioneer who was ahead of his time yeah. uh, for that Oakland team. So that was complete game shutout number one. But you bested it a year later. Let's celebrate the Fourth of July, two thousand eleven. Here's the two two from the left hander. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Seven strikeouts for Dunsing. He's retired now, 14 of 15, one to go. They asked me right after the eighth if I want to go back out. I told Andy, yeah, I'm going back out. Um, and when Valencia hit that homer, uh, I saw them pick up the phone, and I, and I thought to myself, no way is Valencia's homer going to take me out of this game. And I kind of kept uh, fish-eyeing them down there, but they never they never made the way down. Yeah, they never did. You, you fish-eyed him effectively, and that was, yes, the voice of Bob Kurtz. If you're missing your hockey, that was the voice of Bob Kurtz calling the final out of that complete game shutout. Uh, July the 4th against David Price and the Rays. Uh, that was a 7 yeah. nothing victory in that one. That was – that was surprised me, um, to be honest, because the I think I had bases loaded no outs in the first inning and somehow got out of it. A Houdini um, in the first? Well, well, let's look at it. Okay, we had Johnny Damon singled. Uh, mm-hmm. A weak ground ball, though, so you knew you had your good stuff. Sean yeah. Rodriguez uh, whistled the liner, so it was first and second. You got Longoria on a fly ball to left, and then okay, so Upton Jr. walked to load him up, and you got a double play from Ruggiano. There you go. Yeah, that's all it takes. So, yeah. I knew I had the base loaded part, right? I, I didn't know how I got out of it. But, uh, yeah, and from there we just kind of found a groove and started cruising, and uh, that was kind of fun. See, my sister, my youngest sister was in town, and she was uh, – sitting with Lisa and stuff like that and so Lisa stands up I guess to videotape that that last inning and you know everyone's on their feet which is like one of the greatest adrenaline rushes ever um and my sister is asking like what are you doing like what's what's going on and like Lisa didn't want to say it out loud you know she knows like the baseball etiquette you don't talk about it and finally I guess with like two out she's like whispered at her like look at the scoreboard (laughs) you know and uh so she and that shows how much my sister was in tune to what was going on but uh yeah it was uh that was those are two. Those are two really good outings. Um, uh, that's when that's when baseball can be fun when you when you got that kind of stuff. Uh, Brian Dunsing again is our guest here on the Twins Clubhouse. And and Deuce checking out this box score. Ben Revere was your center fielder. May he go get him. Alexi mm-hmm. Casilla played second. This Mauer kid caught uh, and threw a guy out at second for you trying to steal. Cuddy was in right. Then it's Valencia who had a big day. Three hits, had the home run. Uh, if anyone's going to ruin somebody's bid for a shutout, it would probably be Danny. Uh, Luke Hughes, <laughs> Luke Hughes was your first baseman. Jason, oh, wow. Jason Repco was your left fielder, one of the all-time great guys, and the yeah. classic fourth outfielder. Tolbert at third, and the starting shortstop who drove in two runs was Sayoshi Nishioka, probably his best game in the big leagues. Really, I did not, I did not know that. Oh man, I, that, I had zero ideas about that lineup. I, I had no idea who was behind. I wonder if that was, there's a great picture of you, and I, I've tweeted it a couple of times, and, and you got on me the first time I did it, where it's you whispering behind your glove to Nishioka. There's a great photo of it, and I wonder if that, I wonder if that was from that game. That could have been. That could have been the day. Oh, maybe. Oh, 
Wait, wait, say that, say that again. I was whispering. I was whispering what? It was yeah. like he was coming in for the sign, and there's a picture of you on the mound. You have your glove up, oh, so yeah. you're like hiding your yeah. face. And uh, yeah, because I was probably like, I was probably thinking to myself, like, he has no idea what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and he probably or he didn't. was saying something I had no idea what he was saying either. So yeah. I don't know. You yeah, know. it worked both ways. Uh, Pretty good day. Pretty yeah. good day. All in all, you spent seven years with the Twins, 354 games, 61 starts, over nearly 650 innings. Uh, and Deuce, I think you made a lot of friends here in Minnesota along the way uh, because you're, you, you remain one of the guys that people talk about and remember so fondly. And, and I've always said it. Uh, the things that you did on the field were great, but you've done so much more off the field. Uh, I know specifically in your hometown of, uh, of Omaha, you still sponsoring the, the Legion baseball team down there? Yep, yep. We still sponsor uh, the high school Legion team, uh, the 52, um, uh, from the number I wore in nice. Minnesota. So, yeah, we still do that. Um, that's you know a big deal to us. Um, and we have like, my foundation as well, the, yep. the Brian Densing Foundation. We do a lot of work with um organizations that deal with pediatric cancer and and you know their families and you know just every year we we do it uh, you know we do a foundation event and a charity work and it, we would you know kind of benefit a different organization each time but uh yeah we're just trying to be uh, out in the community and and help out and um you know just kind of do our part you know the beauty of it is i don't think you've changed a bit who you are who you and lisa are as a family with your your morals and what you believe in and what you do and how you act. I don't think you've changed a bit since that sleepy night. I woke you up on a bus, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. Because... Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you know, I tried to, I was always raised uh, by my parents to be, to be down to earth and humble and never forget where you came from and who got you there. So we try and keep that in mind with everything we do. And now I'm trying to instill that into uh, the four hooligans we got running around our house. They so, are hooligans too, um, which is a good thing. Yes. Are they little uh, K-State Wildcat football fans? Uh, you know, I, I try to. I try to have them wear some K-State stuff here and there, but uh, Lisa usually puts the kibosh on it uh, when I'm not looking. So you're going big um, red. Yeah, yeah, we're going we're going big red. You know, got uh, I owe a lot to that university too. So um, it's just yeah, I try, but again, I don't always have the last say. When are the Huskers <laughs> going to get around to putting you in the the Nebraska Hall of Fame? Uh, I doubt it. I doubt that'll happen. You know, uh, you got guys like, you know, Alex Gordon that need to get in there first if he's not already. And, um, there's some other guys that got, you know, I'm, I'm way down the line if at all. Maybe if they have a slow year. Do you remember the, the night we were out grabbing a bite to eat somewhere in Birmingham and Dominican Sue was playing for the Lions and he was walking down the street and you're like, that's yep. Dominican Sue. And I go, go talk to him. And you're like, I can't talk to him. I'm like, dude, you guys will, you both played in Nebraska. You can talk to him. You're in the big leagues. Yeah. And you refuse to cross no. the street. <laughs> Well, looking back at it, I kind of wish I would have said, like, you know, like, what's up or whatever. But um, I think someone was trying to talk to me into, like, trying to do a swim move on him across the crosswalk. <laughs> and I could just see him, like, four, I'm sure, me, like, three lanes down, you know. like I could, So I just I just avoided him at all costs. Yeah, that <laughs> wouldn't, know, have, worked. That wouldn't have worked out. Uh, Brian, yeah. what's going on now? I know you're not officially retired. Uh, you've battled right. some, some injuries the last couple of years after a couple of really nice and super fun years, uh, I would imagine, in Chicago. Um, you last pitched, uh, I think when you'd pitched a few games in 19 at AAA, um, yep, battling yep. back from the injury, but w- where are you physically? And obviously we're all in a weird holding pattern now, but what, what's, uh, the future hold for Brian Dunst in the immediate future? Oh, that's a good question. Um, immediate future. I'm not sure to be honest. Um, you know, I've been trying to stay in shape, been throwing, um, 
every you know every almost every day if i might take a couple of days off here and there depending on what the kids got going on but uh you know my, my, i've been trying to keep my arm in shape and you know i haven't officially retired or anything like that you know I, we have a lot of conversations uh lisa and i about uh you know what should what we should do like where we're being led um you know all that kind of stuff so uh <laughs> immediate future is still up in the air we just kind of try and figure it out as we go but uh you know, I, we we trying to we tried to talk to some teams and get conversations going, but uh, sometimes teams wouldn't, you know, wouldn't either be interested or we couldn't get a hold of them or they were just, you know, ghosting us. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just I'm up there in age. I understand that, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, try to get back to the Twins for a little bit to come back home, but they said no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they, said, they said go. They said go away. So no, we're uh, we're all full up but, here. No room at the end. Well, yeah, I will tell you this: yeah. there's not a clubhouse anywhere that is not a better clubhouse for having Brian Dunsing in it. And our Twins clubhouse here today certainly was better for having you stop by and Deuce. It was awesome to catch up. Great hearing your voice. Uh, and whatever you end up doing in the near future and the distant future, uh, I know you'll continue to make wherever you are a better place the way you uh, you and Lisa and your whole family always have. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. I, yeah, that means a lot to us. Thank you. All right, Brian Dunsing here on the Twins Clubhouse. Again, whether you're joining us across our network here on the Treasure Island Baseball Network or podcasting us uh, for special bonus content, we do appreciate Brian stopping by. It's brought to you by Quick Trip. Sign up for uh, Quick Rewards, all your rewards in one easy place. And join us uh, again for another episode of the Twins Clubhouse next week. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.